Good morning. It is my great pleasure to be with you this morning. Thanks so much for the opportunity, and to Reverend Christian, thank you, Kristen, thank you so much for the invitation. It's wonderful to be back in Houston. It's been years and years and years, and many, many years ago, my best friend from high school moved to Houston, and I was still in San Diego, and he said, I'm in this great city, you gotta come and see, and so I drove from San Diego to Houston, which was no small task, but, but it was a great adventure. Um, loved the city, actually had a job offer from Bank of the Southwest. My friend was out, he was having a great time, and I kind of set my foot out of the closet, and then the old guilt and shame and all the rest of that nonsense came flooding in, and I made a mad dash back to San Diego and went back in the closet. But that's a separate story. It's great to be with you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I want to talk about the Bible, which is a really nice idea. And I want to talk first about the Old Testament. And if you've spent any time in the Old Testament, you remember the children of Israel are being released from bondage, generations of bondage to the Egyptians. And so there are, there's this whole laundry list of thou shalt and thou shalt nots and abominations and all those kinds of things primarily because they hadn't made their own decisions for a really long time. So Leviticus is a really interesting book of the Bible, and if you ever have the opportunity, and, and there's that one passage that we'll talk about in a minute, but if you look at the rest of the book, it's interesting because thou shalt not have a tattoo. Thou shalt not trim thy beard. Thou shalt not eat pork or shellfish or wear a garment of more than one fabric. And then you remember the passage that thou shalt not lie, a man shalt not lie with a man as, a, as he lies with a woman. But if we look at, if we allow ourselves to look at what's going on here, we see the historical significance that they were, the purpose of so many of these laws was to teach the children of Israel how to act and also to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. So, of course, every time you're doing what you're doing, you need to do it so that you could have a baby so that we can populate the earth. So we've got the Old Testament. And then the New Testament, excluding the first four books that we call the Gospels, there's Paul and other writers and their ideas on how to build a church and so forth. Which brings us back to what we call the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. The most amazing, wonderful prosperity promises from Jesus. My question for us this morning is, how much time do we spend in the Old Testament? How do we, and I will invite you to go out of your mind and into your heart for about the next 15 to 20 minutes and feel what you feel as I'm sharing ideas with you. Not what you should believe, not what the church tells you to believe, not what you think you believe, but what you believe and also what you feel about what we're talking about this morning. Are we stuck in the Old Testament? You remember the Old Testament God. Hateful, surly, white, old, straight, judgmental, old man on a cloud someplace. I like to call it kind of the Santa Claus concept of God. You know, he knows, 
when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you are bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Do we still stay, and again, not what we say we believe, not what we're supposed to believe, but what we really feel about God, are we still stuck in that Old Testament God? Or do we allow ourselves to step into the New Testament and the Gospel? Jesus said, it's done unto you as you believe. And he said that not once, but he said that several times. If you remember, there are five or six different accounts of people being healed in the New Testament. And every single time Jesus said to the effect, it is done unto you as you believe. And in fact, in Matthew 14 verse, I'm sorry, in Matthew 17 verses 14 through 21, and I'm reading from the New International Version, 17, verses 14 through 21. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive him out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. I live in Southern California, and we don't get a lot of rain, so it's not green, and we don't have the trees like you all have. We have palm trees, obviously. But we also have, out on the, in the foothills, we have wild mustard. And if you've ever seen a mustard seed, you know that it's about, that big not very big if we have the faith of a grain of mustard we'll say to the mountain go throw yourself into the sea and it will do so what an amazing promise for us jesus said it's done unto you as you believed not as he believed not as somebody believed for you but as you believed You also remember that Jesus said, ask, ask, seek, and knock without limitation. There's no concern about, I'm up to my limit with God this month, so I got to wait till the beginning of December. He never said that. There's no credit limit here. It's the, what is that, the black, the black Visa card that doesn't have a credit limit? Jesus said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, not only in the sweet by and by, but also in this moment. The kingdom, all that's necessary. Jesus never said, do not try this at home. <laughs> do you remember the story of the, they, were, they had to pay the taxes 
and they had a fish and they needed the money to pay the taxes and Jesus got the fish and pulled the gold coin out of the fish's mouth and they used the gold coin to pay the taxes. Wow. Greater than these things shall you do, he said in John 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will even do greater things than these. Wow. Greater than these things shall you do. So why don't we? Why don't we express and experience all this good that Jesus talked about? Why don't we experience the financial abundance and the perfect health and all the other wonderful blessings that the universe that god that spirit that our higher power whatever you choose to call it has for us think back with me for a minute back to when you were born and may not be the exact day and you might not remember and that's okay but go with me on this to the to the concept of when we were first born we came in with no ideas other than I need to be fed, I need to be changed, I need attention. So we had our needs in mind, obviously, but no ideas on how it should be. There's a great book titled Smile for No Good Reason by Lee Jampolsky, and he talks about toddler wisdom. If you've spent any time with small children, three, four, five years old, you know that they are always in the moment. And there are three points to toddler wisdom that he talks about in the book. The first being, all gone, finished with lunch. All gone. Not, okay, we finished lunch, but what's for dinner? Are we going to be okay for tomorrow? Nope, just all gone, I'm going to go play. Worry, let's, we'll let dinner take care of dinner. So all gone. Bye-bye. You're leaving? Okay, see you later. Not, what have I done to drive you away from me? When will I see you again? Just bye-bye. See you later. The third one is my second most favorite is whoopsie. Stepped on the dog. Whoopsie. Spill the milk. Whoopsie. Not, oh my God, I can't believe I spilled that milk 15 years ago and I'm still beating myself up over it. Just whoopsie. And the fourth one that he doesn't mention in the book, but I think is so very important for us, is why. If you've ever spent time with a small child, you know that there is that phase that they go through that they want to know. Why, why is the sky blue? Why is water wet? Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to believe that? I submit to you that us mature, rational adults don't ask why nearly often enough. Why do I believe that? Why do I keep beating myself up for that? Why is that still my rule? That's an import, those are important questions for us. So we learned based on how life, we, we learned from parents, grandparents, ministers, with all due respect to the ministers in the room, other people, how it should be. And I suggest to you that if we could take one word out of the dictionary and send it off into outer space, it would be the word should. Because think about the word should. If you have the thought, I really should 
go to the gym this afternoon. I bet you don't want to. I really should not have that second piece of chocolate cake. I bet you really want to. I should call my mother. And with all due respect to the mothers in the room, perhaps you should. Now there's one, there's, there's one, there, there's one um, um, difference to this. You really should go to church. And I'm so glad you did. But the rest, but consider the, the shoulding that we do on ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis how often do we use that to beat ourselves up? So we learned how it should be. And maybe, in your, maybe your learning process was like mine, and what I learned was that I should wait to have a child till I get married. I should marry someone of the opposite sex. I should stay married to that person for the rest of my life, and a whole bunch of others. And I should not make a mess. My experience was that I just blew up all my shoulds. And, and I was married to a woman for a short period of time, made a big mess. And sometimes we do that. We do that when we find that, yes, we've packed ourselves in based on these old rules that somebody told us, but it just doesn't work for us anymore. And sometimes we make the mess. So we don't experience all the good, all the joy, all the passion, all the wonder because we don't believe we deserve it. And I would suggest we don't feel we deserve it. The title of my book is Coming Out to Ourselves. And that while that sounds like it's primarily for the LGBT community, and it is, it really is for everyone because coming out to me means looking at yourself, looking at everything that's happened up till now, looking at the truth of who you are, not what you should be, not what they told you to be, not what you thought you needed to be, but who you are, who God meant you to be. Coming out to ourselves allows us to do that. And maybe you've been, if you're LGBT, maybe you've been out to the rest of the world for decades. But you're not out to yourself. The opportunity for us is to begin to look at how we really feel and make those changes, change those rules, so that we can accept all those wonderful promises that Jesus told us about. The subtitle of the book is Admitting, Accepting, and Embracing Who We Truly Are, starting with admitting. Wow, I am X. Wow, I did Y, whatever it is. Then accepting, and then the accepting comes forgiveness when it's necessary. And then the embracing, recognizing that everything happened for a reason, that everyone brought us a blessing, whether it looked like a blessing or not. So how can we tell? How can we tell that maybe we're not quite out to ourselves because we've got a rainbow sticker on the back of the car and we go out with friends and we go to gay bars and everything's wonderful and we feel pretty good. So how do we know that there might be a situation? I would suggest 
when we look at our lives, do we go from one relationship to the next with people that don't really have our best interests at heart, that might abuse us, and it might not be physical abuse, but it's just you're not heart-centered relationships? Do we keep going from one job situation to another? The prayer, Jesus said it's done unto us as we believe, is that prayer that we've been praying for, just, it just hasn't happened yet? We'll be doing, and believe it or not, in about uh, seven weeks, we'll be, some of us will be doing New Year's resolution lists again. And if your New Year's resolution list looks like, huh, I used to say, if your New Year's resolution list looks like a carbon copy of last year's, and I did that, and I had a bunch of people in the audience look at me strangely because they didn't know what carbon paper was, <laughs> which is just so amazingly depressing. So for, the, for, for those of you that don't know what, carb, what a carbon copy is, we'll say a Xerox copy. But the point is, if your New Year's resolution list looks the same, will look the same in 2014 as it did in 2013, there's an opportunity to look and say, why can't I go back to school? Why can't I get and stay clean and sober? Why can't I lose the weight and keep it off? Why can't I, whatever it is I say I want, why can't I do that? Very often, it has to do with that we don't believe we deserve it. So the opportunity, I used to say challenge, but the opportunity for us is to look at what we really believe and feel about ourselves and decide what's true for us. But we have to look at it. This afternoon at 1 o'clock, and we'll be done by 2.30, so you'll have time to go to Kroger's, get your, get your chips and salsa, get home and help the Texans beat the Cardinals. So you have lots of time for that later this afternoon. I will not interfere with that. Um, please pray with me that the Chargers do not get absolutely massacred by the uh, Broncos this afternoon. I always say, if you just, those of you with football fans in the room, I always just say, please don't embarrass yourselves on national television. They don't always listen to me, but that's okay. Anyway, we'll go from 1 to 2.15 or so, and the topic of the workshop is it's my story and it's sticking to me. Because our story is what we tell ourselves, what we've told ourselves about how life should be and what's happened and the, the, what we learned when we grew up and all that. So we're going to look at our story. We're going to look at our rules and decide what are really true for us and what resonate for us now and what don't anymore. We'll do some forgiveness work. We'll go for about an hour and 15 minutes, and I so invite you to be with me for that. One o'clock in the, the gathering place. Um, and we'll just we'll continue to, to open our hearts and, and look at what still works for us and what doesn't. And then after the service, I'll be in the gathering place with my book. It's $10.00. Um, it's a quick read. It's about 90 pages, so I invite you to take it home, take me home with you, and read it, but then go back again and read it again, and go back again and read it again, because it talks about everything that I've talked about this morning and a whole lot more. It's so wonderful that we in the LGBT community have allowed ourselves to be, for many of us, reconnected with our source, with this loving, nurturing presence with God, spirit, the universe, the divine, our higher power, whatever you choose to call it. 
It's so important for us, now that we're old enough, to recognize what's true and what's not. And I love that Bible reading that was read earlier because that that spirit that Jesus talks about, that, that, that he asked to be sent to us, that's that inner wisdom that says, you better take an umbrella. That's that inner wisdom that says, don't take the Katy Freeway, go that way. Have you ever, have you ever done that? You're going on a trip and, and the still small voice and call it your intuition or whatever you want to says, better take an umbrella. And you say, yeah, I looked at the weather report and it's 75 degrees and sunny. I'm not taking an umbrella. And you get off the plane and the heavens have opened and it's pouring and sloshing. I've done that. That's, the, that's that inner wisdom. That's that still small voice. That's that still small voice that says, that's nonsense. The wonderful thing in 2013 is because of Twitter and Facebook and the other social media, we get to know what everybody else thinks. The bad news is we get to know what everybody else thinks. <laughs> and a lot of it's goofy stuff. And so the opportunity for us is to recognize that when we begin to read something, when we begin to see something that causes us to clench in our tummies or make our heart beat faster, we can recognize that that's background noise. That's all it is. It's somebody else's opinion. It's background noise. Because what we know when we allow ourselves to listen to the still small voice, to that inner wisdom, what we know and believe and feel and accept is God doesn't love us anyway. God loves us, period. Anyway, to me, sounds like, well, it's okay. I'll overlook that. There's nothing to overlook because we are the beloved. We are gifted and chosen and loved beyond measure. That's what Jesus told us. That's the truth of who we are. God bless you. Thank you so much.